welcome to the Farming on Purpose podcast, a podcast for farmers and ranchers ready to shift for a stronger future. Today's challenges in agriculture are new, but the grit and determination required to be successful are not. On the Farming on Purpose podcast, you'll hear how producers of all sizes and practices are moving mountains for things they believe in, all in the name of an industry that keeps growing and innovating for a stronger food system and stronger farm families. I'm your host, Lexi Wright, and I'm excited to discuss where producers are finding success, challenging the status quo, striving for better, and keeping our heritage alive, all while producing the food we depend on. Welcome back to the Farming on Purpose podcast. I'm so excited today to have Camry Rorda here. And Camry was raised as a small town Iowa girl who only had one other rodeo friend within a 60 mile radius growing up. Uh, she wanted to create a place where youth who lived in areas isolated from Western culture would be able to connect with their peers, learn, ask questions, and still feel like they were part of the industry. And thus was born Rodeo Kids. Now, I wanted Camry to come on the episode today to talk a little bit about all the things that they're doing over at Rodeo Kids, how they got there, what that journey looked like, and a lot of the things that they focus on with the leaders in their program. So welcome to the podcast, Camry. Help me fill in the gaps. What did I miss? Tell us how that journey has looked um, from small town Iowa girl to where you are today. Yeah, you bet. Um, thanks for having me on the show. We love doing stuff like this. And, um, you know, we, along with rodeo kids and rodeo type stuff, we've got the performance pony company. We farm 2,000 acres. We have a thousand head feedlot and we have a tractor repair shop. So we are all things agriculture. So when I heard about this, I was like, well, this is really cool. Like, what a fun opportunity. Um, so a little bit more about my background. I did, I grew up in a rodeo family. My first rodeo was when I was five days old. Uh, my parents both pro rodeoed and worked for a rodeo company. And so my mom, I mean, to this day, they both still compete. My dad's kind of slowed down a little bit, but I just got off the phone with my mom and she went to go try a new 1D barrel horse. So, and she's 60, 66, 68 years old now. So she's um, still at it. So we we love that. Um, we've got an indoor and an outdoor arena here in central Iowa. And um, I'm one of five. I'm the youngest and I'm the only one that is involved in rodeo. So that's kind of interesting. Um, I loved it. I had friends, you know, it was cool and everything, but um, my heart was not in rodeo growing up. Like as a little kid, I had nice horses, all the things, um, but it just, it wasn't my thing. I don't know if it was too easy for me early on or what happened, but um, I got into junior high and I did all things sports, chased boys, got into the girl drama, all that kind of stuff. And for whatever reason, um, I went with my dad to a bunch of amateur rodeos around the Midwest between my um, between my eighth grade year and going into my freshman year. And it was like a month before high school rodeo. And I just had a bunch of fun that summer and made some friends and reconnected with some kids I'd known before. And I just remember there was a moment that I was like, you know, I want a high school rodeo. I, I want to do this. Like this is, there was just that, that light bulb moment. And, um, so I did. I asked my dad and my mom if they'd be okay with that, you know, and they had been just like on the edge of their seats being their youngest and last child to be involved in this, that they really wanted me to do it. Um, but one thing that I will say for the parents out there who are maybe like, gosh, I wish you in there just not showing that. First, the best thing that my parents did for me was let it become my idea and not force me to do it. They facilitated it when I wanted it. They didn't necessarily make it easy. They didn't necessarily say, okay, you're like, here's the world just because I maybe on a whim wanted to go ride one day, but they would say, well, here's a horse you can go ride, you know? And so the, it, the opportunity was always there, um, but they didn't say, get in the truck. We're going to the rodeo. Like they didn't say, go out and practice and you need to do this. I, they didn't, they let it be my idea. And when it clicked, <laughs> By golly, did it click? You know, I went from um, 
I played all the sports, volleyball, basketball, ran track, did all that stuff, like started. I was athletic and um, had all the opportunity in the world to do small town athletics um, in a small school in rural Iowa and be successful at it. But I chose to put everything to the side except for basketball because it was during the winter and winters in Iowa are cold and we didn't always have an indoor arena. So um, I played basketball to stay in shape, but it it just... I got hooked and I have fallen in love with rodeo. And so I went through high school rodeo, um, had never tied a go at all. And I went to the first one and my dad, my dad told me after my first year, and I had a whole whopping three points, you know, three event cowgirl and three points. And so I didn't do that great. My first great year in ninth grade. Um, but at the end of it, my dad just looked at me one day and he said, you know, Cam, I think goat tying is going to be your thing. And it's, I'd only done it for a year and I'd always been a barrel racer, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. And uh, like what for dad, but I was enjoying it. And so I stuck with it. And by my junior year, I ended up fifth in the nation. Um, my senior year, I won the state and then came back um, winning the nation down to the last goat girl to the all I had to do is time fast and I didn't time fast enough. So I ended up fifth again. Um, but you know, that's kind of a, one of those deals. I've done plenty of podcasts on the rodeo kids podcast. And there's people like Jacob Talley who's been to the NFR four or five times now. He didn't throw a steer until he was 20 years old and he's my age that 32 years old. I think the last podcast I did with him was at 30 years old In 10 years, he made it to the NFR four times. And so, um, you know, we kind of talked a little bit beforehand about the mental pressures and things like that that can happen. And um, so just let it be their idea. You know, if you want to work at something really hard, you will make it happen. And if it's a God thing, God will make it happen for you. You don't have to force that kind of stuff. So if for parents and stuff who are listening to this, if, if your kids are showing the passion, they either don't have the passion or they're not ready to take on that passion yet. So let them find it. And when they do, it will it will take and they will will do things. So um, anyway, from there, I college rodeoed and then I got into pro rodeo when I got home and still amateur rodeoed and college. I loved it. It was super fun. Highly recommend college rodeo, um, especially if you're somebody who wants to work in the rodeo and Western industry. To me, as I look back now, that was such an investment in my future network. Um, I didn't look at it like that. Then, you know, some people look at college rodeo and they say, well, you spend a lot of money. You can't win very much. You know, all kids do is drink beer and hang out in some regions. In some regions, there's a lot of kids who do do that. In other but you can, as a professional now in the industry, I rely so much on the kids that I met from all around the country who also work in the industry. Now, you know, I've got a friend who works at Professionals Choice and every year in Vegas, he calls me up and he's like, hey, Annie, where's your booth at this year? I need to be able to send you people to your performance pony company booth and stuff. So um, it's an investment in your future. You know, it's not just if you want to be in the industry, at least. So I got done with that and my mom got in a horse accident. So I had to come home. I called there's in the school online um, when I came home and never had any intentions of training horses. Like to this day, don't really call my myself a horse trainer. I trained horses, but I wouldn't really call myself a horse trainer. Um, but when my mom was injured, we had some young horses around and I was a broke college kid. And so I needed to make some money. And before I knew it, I had a barn full of horses. So um, we did, uh, I started riding horses for people to make some money and did different things on the side. I've been doing clinics and lessons since I was a junior in high school. And my mom and I had done these kids camps um, at the house where we focused on barrels, poles and goat tying for usually like elementary, early junior high kids. Uh, so we continued doing that. And I just started to pick up more of that. I had some friends in college who uh, rode some ponies and they were kind of bigger team roper boys and uh they're making really good money on it and it's like what well, i'm five foot two and i'm not very big like maybe i could try this pony thing and uh, my parents had family rodeos at the house and so we had lots of kids and families coming in and out as it was and so i thought well what i've got a market for it and this is before what i call like the pony boom and the shift to youth in the industry i mean uh, at this point in time this is Oh, probably at least 10 or 12 years ago where there were still, there were youth events, but not at all like there are now. Um, and so I started buying and selling these ponies. And in the first year, I think I 
from like June to August. So just over a few months, I bought until like eight or nine pounds. It was just, wow, this is awesome. Um, and in the midst of that and through the clinics, I started realizing that nothing fit these ponies. You know, like I didn't have the bits that they really needed. Like as an adult, I could get by with what I had, but then these kids had come in and like, you couldn't adjust their head stalls a bit. And even if you did adjust the head stalls, the bits were just gaping out of their mouth and stuff. And I kept telling my mom, I was like, somebody needs to do something about this. Like, this is just ridiculous. Like, there's no way, like, as my, as a clinician, I couldn't do my job. The ponies were mad. The kids were frustrated and the parents are paying and I can't help up, you know? And so, um, after about so probably a couple months of complaining and saying somebody needs to just make a junior cow horse for a pony. She finally looked at me one day and she said, if you don't do something about this, I'm going to. <laughs> and, um, so from there uh, was created the Performance Pony Company. Um, it would have been, it's eight years in now since we really launched it. So we now have the world's largest selection of bits and tack for ponies and small horses, uh, which has been super fun. Um, I'm not really... I'm not a money-driven person, I guess. Like I'm a, I, I don't know what you call me, more like a connection-driven person, an influence-driven person, making a difference. <laughs> Seeing somebody smile is worth a million bucks for me. You know, if I can, if I can change somebody's perspective to help their day be better and their life be better, I would. You don't have to pay me for it. Like I'm good, which is <laughs> not always the strength, but. Um, so when I was I was starting this and I was like, well, what's the best way to sell this stuff? Like I, I'm making these products for the kids. It's about the kids. Like, how do I continue to be smart? Again, I'm broke. Like I'm still fresh out of college training horses and until the last few years as well, like horse trainers are usually broke. <laughs> so um, and pro rodeoing all at the same time. And so I was like, what's the best way to spend my money on marketing and still be able to keep my focus on the kids? So I started the Pony Pro program. Um, and that consists of 50 kids across the country and they get um, some Pony Pro swag and some different stuff, some discounts on the products. And then they get to be part of a team. Um, and we do monthly challenges and Zoom meetings and stuff like that. So it's giving back to the kids. And then I also get access to cute kids on ponies, you know, pictures of them from all over the country. And so um, it's been a really cool win-win um, in that department. And I started with that, like, uh, I thought of it as advertising, you know, advertising and still doing something for the kids. Mm -hmm. But I had no idea that it would expand into what it has. And I didn't have any clue the influence that it would really make on on these kids and on families. Um, and so I'd started this, I was in my second year and I went to Vegas um, for the second time. Uh, my parents are jumpers. And so I'm Vegas was kind of part of my five-year plan when I started the performance pony company. And in two years, they're like, if you're going to do it, let's do it. Like, come on, you know, let's make it happen. I was like, oh, oh, okay, thanks for the support. Let's do this. Like, scared, still broke, uh, but sure, let's go to Vegas. So um, the first year went well enough that I went back out the second year. And there was one night specifically that um, I was at the South Point and just talking to different people in the industry, again, through college rodeo and internships and then my parents being re really involved in rodeo for so long. Um, I got to know a lot of people and I have a rather, I guess, bold personality, like I'm not afraid to talk to anybody. And so I'm talking to different people who have, have some influence in the industry and in the companies that they worked at. And for whatever reason that night, I just felt like I needed to ask everybody in charge of these companies or involved in these companies, like, what are you guys doing for the kids? Like, what are you guys doing for the kids? And one company had discontinued their line of youth saddles. Another company was like, oh, well, we sponsor this event. I'm like, yeah, but what do you do for them? Like, how do you make sure that they're invested? Like, how are you helping them to prepare for the future? And none of them could really give me an answer. Well, like this is really building their you know, their public speaking skill when they really feel like they're a part of something. And it's really helping us as parents because we get to connect and learn. And it was an opportunity for me to answer other questions that weren't product related. Um, and when I got in the elevator on my way back up to the room that night, 
Um, I was just thinking about all this stuff and all of a sudden out of literally nowhere, like no intentions of starting anything that broke. This is only my second year, again, still broke. And it was like this lightning bolt came and just like smacked me on the forehead. I'm like rodeokids.com. And I remember being in the elevator by myself and saying, absolutely not. Like, no, like I'm not doing this. Like it's me, myself and I alone in this elevator having this conversation with God pretty much like, no, no, this is your next thing. And so um, I remember going up to my room and getting out a piece of notebook paper and I pretty much jotted down my business plan. Um, I know I still have that notebook somewhere, but I haven't found it. But like from the podcast to the blog, to the ambassador program, to now a leadership retreat, all the things, like I wrote it all down on this piece of paper that night. And I just remember thinking, no way, like I'm not doing this. I'm just going to write these ideas down in case somebody else needs them. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not doing that. Um, I called my mom and it was like two o'clock in the morning in Iowa. And I was like, mom, I have this new idea. Like, I'm going to tell you about it. And she's like, okay, sounds great, Cam. Like, go to bed. Like, we'll talk about it tomorrow. And um, I went into the room and my best friend was working for me at the time. And so I like woke her up. And I was like, hey, hey, like I've got this new idea. And, and she's like, sounds great. Like, go to bed. Like, we'll talk about it tomorrow. But and and then I just I, I couldn't get away from it. And so that's a uh, few weeks later, um, Rodeo can be born. So that's kind of the venture to Rodeo Kids, I guess. <laughs> well, it's an incredible story. Um, you brought up so many things I want to ask more questions about. Um, I think the big standout from that story, though, is if anybody has a goal or a dream, it sounds like they just need to call your mom and your dad and that push them to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I would say um, there's definitely a lot of things that I do that are I'm definitely their child because um, they're good pushers and they believe in, in making those jumps. One of my favorite videos is by Speed RV and it's the jump video, you know, and it's jump and your parachute may not open right away, but it will open. And and I think that goes to say having just a super support system is I've been so blessed with that. Uh, even my dad sometimes, you know, there were times when he's like, don't you think you should go maybe back to getting another job? Like, are you sure this is really working? You know, even though he he influenced me and, and allowed me to start it, he still had that caution, uh, which it's good to have that. You can't just be something like wide-sided and full force ahead without having somebody saying, like, I want to look at it this way, too. Like, be careful. It might be happening. And so as I thought, there were times that I resented that I took it as doubt. And for my dad, and was just being caught. Like, he's taking care of his little girl. You know, that was his job to, to help me see things from a little bit. Oh, that I was called the right track. But uh, they'll definitely to put you to do things if, if they feel the need. <laughs> <laughs> That's an awesome thing to have in a parent, though. Um the other thing that really stood out to me, well, I guess there's so many. So I'll start with um, the, kind of near the beginning of your introduction. You mentioned all the other things that are going on in your operation. Um, let's kind of go back to that part and tell us more about what all you guys have going on and how you're managing all of these individual things that are competing for your time and attention. Yeah, uh, it's definitely a learning curve. Um, so my husband and I just got married uh, almost a year ago now. Um, it, it What's really cool and what I'm really thankful for in our marriage, and I'm thankful that um, I waited until I was 31 to get married. But it, wait, I didn't find the right guy. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess there's an element of waiting and an element of not having a choice, you know, because you don't <laughs> So one of the best things I did... Um, I went to college in Oklahoma and then I came home for a little while after that and started the horse training thing, started the performance pony company. And then I just realized that like I needed to explore more of the world to really discover who I was like, who am I outside of deep river? Who am I outside of the support of my family all the time being there close? Um, I know it's not, but it was the best thing that I did. I moved to Oklahoma and then uh, I was a rodeo coach in Colorado. And then I moved to Texas for a little while. Um, and in those moves and going 
to someplace like when I moved to Rangeley, Colorado, it's in the middle of nowhere. Like I didn't even know that it existed. I didn't know that this part of the world existed in America that looked like that, you know, and yeah, um, it was in the middle of nowhere and super I didn't know anybody like I had met the rodeo coach one time and I got out there for an interview and I just told my mom when I went out there I said if I don't find any major red flags like I'm I'm doing it I need something different in my life and so I did and I I didn't know anybody um but I I learned a lot about who I was and who I was capable of being and um that was just an awesome, awesome experience. So in doing that and still maintaining my business and adding rodeo kids and still rodeoing and doing all that kind of stuff, like I just, I feel like I'm, I'm really okay with who I am and what I do. And my husband's the same way. Like he's, he is a hard worker. He has put together an awesome operation. He's quite a bit older than me. Um, so he's been doing this for a long time. He didn't go to college. He started putting together the feedlot. We have a thousand head feedlot, 999 head for EPA purposes. Yeah. Uh, I keep that straight. <laughs> yes. Yes. 999. 99 head um, in the feedlot. And then we turned some cattle out on stock fields uh, during the winter and stuff too. So we've got anywhere from 600 to 1600 head of cows, cattle running around um, at any given time. And then we, we have out, I don't know, depending on the year, about a hundred head, you know, if, if we've got them, but that's not our main gig. Um, and then he's pieced together some awesome farmland too, but he also used to manage a 4,000 acre ranch and do all of this too. And so he's just become impeccable and and very good at managing his time. Um, we've both had to take a step back because we're both very busy people. You know, he's got that. And then we decided to buy a tractor repair store a few months ago too in town because we live in a small community and somebody's got to keep it alive. So I guess we decided it was us. <laughs> um, but it, it's a lot of give and take, but we just... He is who he is and I am who I am, but we kind of met in the middle and he doesn't ask me to to change a bunch and I don't ask him to change a bunch and we've made it a priority to make time for each other. Um, so that's just what we've done. And is it always easy? No, but and my husband's really good at saying if we don't get her today, we'll get her tomorrow. Um, that's a good thing to remember. Like not everything has to be done right now. Uh, as long as the cattle do have to be fed, as long as we get that done. Um, but, you know, we're still in, in the harvest. We'll be done here by next week. But I mean, we're there's a lot of people around us that are out, but it's like we're doing what we believe that God tells us to do every day. And I think as long as in your day, you know, when I when I talked to people about I was on another podcast, I'm like, well, how do you handle all the social media and all this kind of stuff and and all the busyness? And it's like. As long as you can lay your head down at night and say, I have done everything that I could do today and I feel good about what I did today, even if it was maybe I had to go take an hour to myself, um, God will take care of the rest of it. So I don't we just don't get too wrapped up in all the stuff, I guess. That's a great mindset to have around that. I think it's harder and harder for folks to do that. Um with all of the distractions and all of the things that can get in way in the way of that kind of identity and alignment with your purpose. But that's a really beautiful way of saying it. You know, if you can go to bed and know that what you, how you spent your time that day was purposeful and in, in line with where you want to be, then that's, that's a good way of evaluating that. I like that. Yeah. Well, and even if you lay your head down and you're like, gosh, I did not spend my time well, you know, then you can say, huh, I need to do something different tomorrow. And then, but you have to be willing to look at that and be honest with yourself. And, and also you just, you know, you mentioned the distractions um, and also just shut off the highlight reel. Like, and I, I think that goes back to where I traveled and like, I'm perfectly good with who I am. And I completely trust that the good Lord will bring me what I need. I don't need to get wrapped up in what everybody else is doing. Um, I'm on social media a lot for business, but I don't have to scroll. Like I'm, I'm good with me. And, um, when I do that, it makes it a lot easier to, to lay down at night and say, Hey, I did what I could do today. That's all I can do. I'm so glad you could join us today. You can support the mission of the farming on purpose podcast and be part of the tribe dedicated to building ag legacies at farmingonpurpose.com slash shop. You'll find apparel, office supplies, stickers, planners, and more 
all inspired by the people living out ag legacies every day. Well, another thing that stuck out um, to me from you sharing kind of your journey is something that I call grit. Um, We've had a lot of folks on the podcast talk about, you know, being backed in a corner, having your back against a wall, having um, all of your last, everything but your last dime wrapped up in what you're doing. Um, So there's really no other option, but to move forward and to find that success. And it sounds kind of like you experienced that as you dove headfirst into the the pony performance stuff. Um, What was that like when you were in that stage of business? I know it can feel a lot of different ways for a lot of people. Some people are like just all motivated, all go. And some are like, oh gosh, is this really where I should be? Mm -hmm. I think that definitely goes back to the kind of support system that you have. Um, You know, I know there's a lot of people who are like when their last dollars on the line, like that's when their activity like kicks in and stuff. Um, And sometimes people don't have that support, you know, and and I've not been in that situation. So I can't speak from the person who didn't have, um, you know, the help and the support behind them. But for me. I've always known that there would be a roof over my head and food on the table if I failed. And I think that's one of the the greatest things that my parents provided me was not a bunch of money to just go out and blow and see if it worked or not. Um, but they provided me a place to come back to if I failed. Like I, I knew I wasn't going to die. <laughs> you know, I knew I I knew that they're, they'd let me get back on my feet, that they'd provide me a warm bed and a warm meal and probably a horse to ride. It might not be the one I wanted to ride, but there'd be something there. Um, and so I think always having that comfort in everything that I've done and every endeavor and in everything that we take on. Um, and I think that's even with my marriage and my husband is like knowing that even if something doesn't work out, like it, it, not everything's going to work out, but just knowing that like there's people that love me and that I'm not going to die. I'm going to be fine. <laughs> even if it, even if I'm broke, like there's more money, there's plenty of money in the world. There's a world of abundance. And so um, I think that's what's allowed me to keep moving forward even when it, when you are dead broke and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to pay this credit card bill, but I guess that's why I have a credit card. (laughs) That's why you rack up the point. Those racked up so that when you don't have any money left, you can use your points to pay off your credit card. There you go. Save the points for the times when you're down and out. There you go. Yes. Yes. That's a good way to look at it. Uh, As long as you use those points, you you don't use them too often. You don't have (laughs) a credit card debt either. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I think what you have been able to do and the questions that you were asking, like you said, of those other brands um, when you were in Vegas, of you know, like, what are you doing for the kids and the opportunity that your parents gave you of having that option to decide if you wanted to go further to do rodeo mm-hmm. um, is so powerful for how we continue Western culture. Um, Mm -hmm. Because a lot of what we talk about on this podcast is about setting kids up for the future in farming or ranching or rodeo or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not an easy thing to do. Like you said, you're one of five. um, And the only one who kind of is choosing to walk in your parents' footsteps or take that legacy to the next place. Um, So I just want to know more about that of how what your journey was like to get involved and how your parents set that up and then a little bit more about how you think it's important for these brands to be investing in kids yeah um you know kids are our future and how we how we do this is really important um and I, I think we're all at a kind of at a crossroads that's different. You know, when I did it, my mom helped me by giving me her contact list, you know, and, and she she was the national sponsorship coordinator for the WPRA and stuff. So she's she's got a big list, um, pages long. And so between that and just digging in, like you use the word great and like just doing it and going back to uh, I was talking to somebody else the other day and we were we were talking about like a plan and this and that and you know, my plans change every day. I think there's impo- it's important to have a vision, but I think sometimes and in schools and stuff, we get so wrapped up in what your what's your year plan? What's your five year plan? What's your 10 year plan? Well, none of us had like 
you can have a vision for where you want to go. And just like I had a vision to be in Vegas in five years with the performance planning company and that happened in two. But if I was focused on my plan being for five years, I wouldn't have been there until it was five years because that was my plan and it was on paper and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not a big, um, a big planner, I guess, but I just... I really believe that if you have a strong faith in that you in whatever it is that God will tell you what you need to do every day um, or at least give you a direction. And so that's a lot of, I guess, how I started it. Like there's no magic secret to it or any special sauce or anything like that, that that I did. I just did it. I did what seemed right for the day um, and talked to the people and, and, you know, just tried to face my fears and um listen to a lot of what you surround yourself with, not just with your people, but the podcast that you listen to, the content, like you can train your algorithms. That's what I try to tell kids every day is like train your algorithms to feed you what's gonna, to feed your future, not to feed your entertainment, not to feed your boredom, but to feed your future. And that has been huge in like motivating me to continue moving forward. Um, I don't know if that really answers your question on that, but <laughs> well, it was a, it was a complicated, long question, but I love that um, <laughs> tidbit of advice. That's so powerful in an age where we have entertainment and our fingertips at all hours of the day to make sure that those whatever time you're spending, if you're spending on social media, let it feed where you're going, not just the present moment. Yeah. Yeah. And like when it comes to kids in the industry and like what I think that what I think that people need to focus on, in, in my opinion, at least it when I compare things like how I grew up to how I'm like, I was just telling somebody the other day, I need to like start getting some scientific data put together. But um, when I compare how I grew up, I wanted to grow up to be a rodeo cowboy or cowgirl because that's what my parents did, because I watched my parents go out and compete my entire life like that like they still compete and I love competing with my parents like we still get in the truck and go to rodeos together my dad still pushes my calves sometimes or usually my husband pushes them now and my dad lines them you know but like that is so huge and being able as a kid to watch my parents go to Kansas City to the American Royal to go to Denver to watch my mom pursue her dreams and also to hear my mom say I messed up when I didn't go to San Antonio and I had the chance. When I had the spot, I had my entry and I drew out. I had the ride, I had the horse, I had everything and I didn't do it. Um, But we don't really live in that kind of culture so much anymore. Like, yeah, there's still some adults going out there, but the shift has really has really shifted to where parents watch their kids live instead of kids watching their parents live. And I think that's a really slippery slope. Um, I think there's a lot to be cautious about. And I I get kind of nervous about having these conversations and sharing my views on this because I don't ever want people to think that I don't want kids to succeed and to be involved in this. I think some of the opportunities that are in this industry for youth right now and, and being able to get them to go places and make friends and and to fall in love with it is so important. And I love that. I think high school rodeo, little britches, all of that stuff. I think it's awesome. You know, the community that you grow and the the knowledge and the the passion that you get to have from that is so important. But when parents quit teaching them how to live, and the money that we're adding and the pressure that we're putting on these kids right now in this industry, I don't I don't know that it's healthy. I, I, we don't know. We don't know is the end of the day. And I was just talking to some kids the other day. We had a podcast about mental health. You know, it's the big topic right now. And and there is the aspect that sometimes you just got to get tough. You know, you just you just got to grit your teeth and you got to get through it. Um but I think the other thing is, if we're talking traditional sports, like your softball, basketball, baseball, whatever, or school sports, organized sports, those kids, even the ones on travel teams, have an entire support system, not including their parents at all. You know, they've got the schools, they've got the athletic directors, they've got bus drivers, booster clubs, teammates, coaches, assistant coaches, all this stuff. Like they have so many people that are rallying around them. And there's no, the only thing that's involved is scholarships you know, when it comes to money. Yeah. And then in our industry, you add 
$10,000 that they can win. You add a $100,000 rig and that's on the cheap side. You add $50,000 worth of horses, maybe one, maybe four, but you probably got $50,000 worth of horses in your rig. Fuels four, five, six bucks a gallon. Um, feeds more expensive than ever. You have to pay for your own facility. Like there's just so much more that goes into it. And I don't, I, before parents were, were doing this and they were going to work and they were putting food on the table and then they were using their extra to show their kids how to live. And now we're not. And um, might be great that we're providing these opportunities for kids and teaching them how to do it. But I also wonder, they've already been to Guthrie. They've already been to Vegas. They've already been to Fort Worth. They've already been to Dallas. They've already been to Denver. They've already been all of these places I want to still go to some of those places because that's where my parents went. Mm-hmm. But what happens when we take them to all those places and then they wonder, what's it like to golf? It's a lot cheaper when mom and dad are involved, you know, to pay for all this stuff. So I don't know. I guess that's what do we do? I don't know. But I think that that's this kind of conversation is important to have. And I'm not saying that I know all the answers in any way, shape or form. We might be doing exactly what we need to do. But I think that more people need to have this conversation because talk to people in the last two years about this people who make decisions people who are putting on these big events they say whoa i never thought about this and the other difference in rodeo is that when we're talking your school sports when you're college you're probably not going to go on you know like even if you're when you're done with high school how many kids play college sports Mm -hmm. and then let alone go on to pro sports whereas in rodeo like we are fueled by people who choose to plunk down their money the card and call themselves a professional there is no end to rodeo and we don't want there to be an end but we're kind of starting to treat it like you've got high school and college and then you gotta go be an adult well that's not true you can go you can go do it and still be a cowboy and a cowgirl <laughs> so i don't know I, I don't know what the answer is i just uh, really careful really think about it and and take some time investing in preparing these kids not to be champions in the arena and of worldly prizes and of money and trophies and stuff like that because any research that you look at you will find that that leads to emptiness and discomfort and people aren't happy and blah, blah, blah. like that's the why we have this mental health crisis in america but yet what are we doing in this industry i really so. appreciate that perspective um and I don't think that a lot of people have even realized that that's a, down, a path that we've gone down with kids and activities and sports and how much that they're not getting the opportunity to watch and learn versus do and learn. Um, and you're right, like the the potential burnout that that leads to or even just the kind of, well, I've already done that thing. I don't, you know, I don't have anything else to strive for still. Um yeah. So many of us, uh, myself included, I think put dreams on the back burner because there's a lot of pressure to give our kids the opportunities to do all the activities and try all the things and find out what they like from a very young age. So that kind of like you said before, there's a lot of pressure that if you haven't been doing it your whole life, you're never going to be successful. So we're like, okay, these kids have to figure out what they want to do and what they want to be when they're like eight, nine, 10 years old, and then they have to start doing it. But Mm -hmm. it's just not the truth. So tell me a little bit more um, about the people and the success stories you've seen from folks who maybe have done things a little bit later in life or not their whole life, come to it a little bit, maybe on at a different time than their childhood. Yeah, I mean, my mom is a prime example. Um, She didn't get her first girl horse till she was 30 and she already had four kids. You know, and and that she always had horses, but um, she was your backyard fun show cowgirl. And she loved with her family and her sisters and her brother and her dad um, and kids in the community riding bareback miles to go into a local arena to ride their ponies all day. And that's how my dad grew up, too, which my dad was still him and his brothers had always rodeoed. Uh, They're tough amateur rodeo cowboys for a long time, you know, but. Yeah, my mom didn't start even barrel racing at all until she was 30 years old. And and she went on. She's made the circuit finals multiple times. She's, um, you know, trained a lot of nice horses, sold a lot of horses, still does it today, gives lessons, clinics, does all this stuff. And and she didn't start till then. And Jacob Edler's one. He didn't start uh, just a world champion bulldogger a few years ago. Um, 
he's young, but he's a first generation cowboy, first one in his family. And he didn't start until I think he maybe did junior high rodeo shoot dogging, but heck, he didn't really know what he was doing. And, and Jacob Talley not starting until he was 20 years old. I mean, there's a lot of stories like that out there. There's a lot of people who never used to start rodeoing until they were in there. And even Tim O'Connell but he didn't get on a bareback horse until he was in college. Um, so, I mean, there's there's a lot of that out there. And it's just, if it's like there's a post I keep seeing on Facebook right now. If you start when you're 25, great. That's good. If you fail when you're 30, that's okay. If you try it again when you're 45 and you start your business, you might be a millionaire by the time you're 50. You know, like there's no timeline. And especially in rodeo, there's no timeline. So, I just encourage parents, you know, we, like I said, we just had a phone call or a, a Zoom call with some of the kids about the mental health thing. And and there's some really, really amazing kids that are really trying to do some stuff. And, and they're talking about the stresses that they've had and, and thinking about suicide. And I think it was maybe on one of your podcasts, you talked about how farmers and ranchers are amongst the top that commit suicide. And I I think it gets talked about to a point that people sometimes think, is there something wrong with me? And we create a little bit of a health crisis. But I also think we need to think about the highlight reel that these kids are comparing themselves to. And when they're not watching their parents, like you mentioned how now you're thinking, well, how do I make sure that my kids' dreams come true? Well, how do they, how are they ever going to know how a dream comes true unless they learn from somebody who teaches them how to make a dream come true? And who better than their parents to teach them? Like, sure, we can watch people on television and, you know, Shaq, Kobe, um, you know, Trevor Brazil, all those people. But they don't know those people. Those people have an influence, but they do not have the influence that their parents do. And they don't see the life, the day to day, the work that goes into it for those people either. And their parents exactly. definitely get the chance to. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, if you can... You can show them how to work hard and how to chase a dream and the highs and the lows of it. The other thing about rodeo, any sport, is when we when we look at social media right now, we think, oh, that person wins all the time. No, I think there's like a statistic that you win 2% of the time. Like it's very, very small amount of the time that you are actually on top, even though people that are on top aren't on top that often. So it does take a lot of work and can show you that and that it's worth it and that it's about... Not only that, but that it's about so much more than that. You know, the cool thing about rodeo is that it is about the community. It is about the faith. It is about the loving of America and having animals and being a part of agriculture and being part of the people who who feed America or or whatever it is that you do through rodeo or to fund it or to what you do for your other job or whatever. Like there's so much more to it than just being at the top. And if you focus on that stuff, God's in control of if you make it to the top anyway. Um, you know, or, or where you end up at the top. And so as long as you're doing your day to day and enjoying the process, being a good human in the process, he'll take. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a little bit more on that input that goes into not only kids, but really everyone. Um, I think you've, I've heard you talk about the amount of information that is fed into our brains today is like an astronomical amount compared to what it used to be. And I just think about that and how much influence it has over how we think about things and what we put our time into thinking about how we pursue our goals or whether we should pursue our goals or not. Um, the importance of watching your parents or having that influence from your parents outside of all that other information that you're receiving is huge. And not just your parents, but for you guys, like mentors and coaches and other people that are in your life that can tell you as a kid or as a young adult, you know, this is how it is. It's not necessarily all the things that you see in passing on your screen. This is what real life, what really matters. Yeah. Well, and I think like one of my least favorite phrases is kids these days, because I believe that kids these days are the way they are, not because of parents these days, but because of adults these days. Like, you know, I, I think a lot of people are are trying to skirt responsibility because they're like, well, I don't have kids. It's not my problem. It's like it is your problem because it's all of our problem because we're humanity. Like we're all on we're all in this together. And that's what I 
a lot. Like this takes a village and that takes whether you've got kids or you don't have kids. Every time that you're looking at that screen instead of looking them in the eye, that's what you're telling them that that screen is more important than they are. And that's what they're feeling. And, um, and it doesn't matter if that's an adult or if it's old kind if it's you and your husband or you and your kids or, or whoever, like it's all of them, not just parents. Absolutely. One of the things that you guys talk about at rodeokids.com and in your podcast and all of the things that you kind of work on content wise there is kind of this intersection of working on your sport and your skill for your sport and your athleticism with your mental health and then your physical health. And I just... Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of the nature of being an athlete, but I think that that intersection of those things has applications for so many people in agriculture that they don't even realize how powerful it could be in their day-to-day life. So I wondered if you would talk a little bit kind of about the things that you focus on there um, or how you get kids um, started being interested in kind of tying all those things together. Yeah, well, I mean, you have to have a healthy body in order to to do it. And a healthy mind creates a healthy body and a healthy body creates a healthy mind. And without those two things, you're not going to be able to go do any of the physical stuff, whether it's in the arena, whether it's on the farm, whether it's sorting cattle or whatever it is. Um, so I am a big I am a big advocate for fitness. Um, you know, I've worked with Dr. Andy Wolf. He's pretty amazing. He's a research scientist. And then he creates programs for event specific and sport specific workouts for what you're doing. And, um, you know, how we train our body can make a huge difference. And it, there's if you use the same muscles over and over and over again, those muscles and and then they get to where they just kind of plateau. But if you can strengthen all your muscles, then you can rope that much faster. You know, if you get to where you can engage a lot of them or you can climb your ladder over and over and over again, or you can sort those cows that much faster when you feel good. Um, And I think, you know, you're all of that when you're physically active and doing that kind of stuff, your mindset gets, when I go to the gym or when I go for a walk or getting fresh air, whatever it is, like, there, I don't think there's a single person out there who can say, oh, I got fresh air and I felt worse, you know, or, oh, I, I went for a walk and I felt worse. Or I went to the gym and I felt worse. You might have felt more sore, but men's clarity was better. Um, and I think when that time in ourselves and like, for me, that's the next, what am I doing today? Why am I doing this? And it gives me some time to to reconnect with my purpose and who I am. And and when you're getting a good workout or if you're reading a good book or, or even if you're just sitting on your front porch, drinking your coffee, taking and appreciating the sunrise or the sunset or whatever, and you allow your brain to be quiet in that time. And you can be quiet when you're physically active or quiet when you're just sitting. But when you allow yourself to do that and think your own thoughts and let, you know, what the some people call it the universe. I call it God. I guess I'm a pretty strong Christian. Um, but when when you do that, you get so much clearer and it all makes sense and you have a purpose again. But I think all of it without a purpose, it, none of it matters, you know, and, and it doesn't matter without a bigger purpose than winning the world or farming the most land or having the most cattle without having a reason to do that. It doesn't matter anyway, you know, and my husband and I have talked about that because he's, he's 51 and he worked, he is a work horse. I mean, worked and worked and worked and worked and worked um, for so long. And he can, he can now see that like he was, he was doing it, searching for a purpose, but he didn't necessarily have one. Um, And now that he has more of a purpose, which for him, and I, I think it's more of a, a male thing, you know, his purpose is to take care of his family. And, um, and then having that and, and having something like that, like it's changed his life. For me, my purpose is to help these kids and to have these conversations and to, to share a different perspective. And when I go out to that rodeo arena, you're dang sure I want to win. You betcha. I want to win. But that aspect of my day is in the breakaway open is a whole five minutes total. You know, or or if you want to include warming up your horse and doing all that salad work, let's say a half hour of 24 hours in the day. I have that other 23 and a half hours in the day, minus eight hours if I'm going to sleep for eight hours. 
to make a difference in somebody's life and do good. But so often we get so wrapped up in focusing on this end goal or this worldly prize or whatever that we forget that there's so much more to our purpose than going to win that one rodeo. And you can do that. You can win. You can have all the money. You can have all the things. And you can still be a good human and have all the other stuff that actually fills your cup. Absolutely. Well, Camry, I think that you've shared a lot of really good nuggets today. Um, I have a final question. I'm going to ask it a couple different ways because it always depends um, which way I ask it, which one resonates with you. But I want to know what's got you fired up lately or what's on your mind that you think more people should be thinking about. Yeah, I think a lot of it I've already shared, Um, (laughs) you know, just just really thinking about the end goal. I guess I I wrote an article about this a while back too, but it's something that I I really want all of us to focus on. Like, what is our end goal in life? What is our end goal for our children? What is our end goal for our industry? It's not our five year, 10 year, like our end goal. Do we want them to be burnt out? Do we want them to like, just, just what do you want? Do you want them to be good humans or do you want them to be girl champions? I mean, because sometimes we make it either or instead of both. And we can do both. And um, same with farming. You know, do we want them to be big time farmers who have a lot of stuff? Or do we want them to be happy farmers who can sustain a life and have a family and still have enough to do what they want? I think some of the best advice that my mom's ever given me, and trust me, I like making money. Like, I'm not here to say, like, making money and being successful is bad. But she has made it perfectly clear. And I've heard this from more than one person. Like, as long as you have enough to do the things you want to do, then that's enough. And if you travel and visit other cultures, there's a lot of other places in the world that our Western culture is kind of messed up. <laughs> and and um, in, in my opinion, and so just having enough to support your family, to do the things you want to do, to go after your purpose, that's that should be enough. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, If folks want to know where to follow along with you, hear more about what you're doing, check things out, where can they go? Rodeo Kids, rodeokids.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, We have the rodeokids.com podcast, which you can find pretty much on any streaming app, major app at least, and on the website, rodeokids.com. And we'll be in Vegas this year at the, uh, during the NFR at the Vegas Toughest World Championship, which is located at the Expo, which is within the World Market Centers. Awesome. <laughs> kind of mouthful. Yes. <laughs> well, for anybody going to the NFR, be sure to check that out or check them out online. Thank you so much for being here today, Camry, And we'll talk to you more again later. If you've enjoyed spending time with us today, please take a moment to review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or join the conversation on social media. Do you have a topic you would like to discuss or know someone with a story to share? Apply to be a guest on the podcast at farmingonpurpose.com. You can follow the host of Farming on Purpose, Lexi, on your favorite social media platforms for more content by searching for Farming on Purpose. And remember, if you look around your table and aren't inspired by the people there, it's time to find a new seat.